0: Alright, hello, hello everybody. Welcome to Sacred Elohim, Diamond Light and Palm Ministries. Kim here, your local rabbi and minister. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a while. I took a few weeks off. Um, had a few things that had to be done. Um, some health issues and stuff like that, which is now resolved. Let me get a drink here. I apologize. Welcome to our continuation of Esther and we will be doing face to face appearances tonight and then I will be doing the first Shabbat run Uh, we will be talking about keeping a Sabbath and how to deal with it so we will continue the Esther anointing after this Um, pretty much we will be completing Esther in about two weeks And then we will go into the side notes on Esther and study specific types of fasting. And we will continue reading the chapter of Esther, one chapter each few days. And I will explain what happened in that chapter and then take from the book and glean from that. So I welcome Ireland, Russia, Australia, Canada, UK, New Zealand, Germany. Hello, hello france india cyprus ghana italy fewer islands norway sweden thailand brazil tanzania saudi arabia mexico cuba singapore puerto rico republic of lithuania south africa and just recently welcome el salvador welcome welcome i'm glad you're listening to my simulcast Um, in the near future, there will be an additional cast you can get called Revolution One, Revolution Dove One, which is a music station I'll be doing. And I've got some other things in the works. Now, in this, in Ohio, I welcome my pastors in Ohio, Washington, California, Virginia, Texas, Pennsylvania, Colorado. Hello, hello, pastors. Oregon, Georgia, Illinois, Florida. Welcome pastors in Florida, New Jersey, Missouri, New York, Michigan, Mississippi, Alabama, Maryland, North Carolina, South Carolina, Wisconsin. Welcome pastors from Wisconsin, Indiana, Kentucky for the first time. Yay. Rhode Island, Arizona. Welcome pastors from Arizona. Massachusetts, Tennessee. Welcome. Idaho. Idaho. Oklahoma, District of Columbia, welcome, Minnesota, Kansas, Connecticut, Iowa, Nebraska, pastors from Nebraska, New Hampshire, Louisiana, Vermont, welcome, and the great state of Utah, Salt Lake, welcome. I welcome all my pastors and listeners from the United States and around the world. Welcome to Sacred Elohim, Divine of Pearl Ministries. Yes, I am a woman. I'm a rabbi and I'm a minister working to get my pastoral ship under a church. Um, I believe in unity among Jews and Gentiles, especially believers. God calls for or Elohim. Or Yahuwah calls for Ehad. Ehad, what's Ehad? It means unity. For He is the Alpha Aleph, which is unity, and the Tav, which is our perfection. Um, he teaches many things, and I relay those things to you. My ministry is built on the prophetic, it's built on what the Bible says, what the Father puts on my heart. And what his word states, for his word is developed out of the Torah and the prophets, or the law and the prophets. And the two founding principles that should be on everybody's heart is to love your neighbor as yourself, and to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We are to honor that. These are written upon our hearts as it states in the word. And yes, I take that with quite ferocity. I teach it and it is refreshing. So we have talked about so far uh, where where this content come from uh, trauma to triumph. We've talked about the favor of the assignment and we are going into the power of the perfume. So think what is a perfume? How do we classify perfume? A perfume or a clone or anything like that as a fragrance so we are a fragrance to the lord so let's see what esther 2 12 states it says the power of the perfume now when they turn each maiden came to go into the king of xerxes after the regular regulations for the women have been carried out for 12 months since this was the regular period For their beautification treatments, six months with oils of myrrh and six months with sweet spices and perfumes and things for the purification of a woman. So in Persia, it is quite common in those times and anywhere for that matter, women went through a purification process, which is interesting to note that women went Today, women use fragrances to cover or attract men. Back then, they were essential because back then, women didn't really take baths. Um, It got rid of lice. It got rid of other things, including bugs, um, sicknesses. These things were medicinal, as we have today. We have pharmacia. Which I don't agree with, but that's beside the point. So, we're going to go through here. Esther's journey to greatness and influence did not happen overnight, as it does with most people. She did not arrive in the palace one day, and the next day become the king. The king saw her. It went through a year's process. And fell in love with her and made her queen. Didn't happen overnight, according to... um, The author here says, no, she had to endure a beautifying process mandated by the Persian culture. Every young lady entered the harem, had to go through this process before she could even approach the king. So it was required of her to go through a purification process. We'll go on here and see what it states in this. So... They did six months with the oils of myrrh, and six months with spice treatments and ointments. This process Esther endured has many spiritual implications that will help us understand the process we have to go through as God prepares us for the destinies and purposes of our lives. So, thank. I, I don't care if you're a woman or man, we go through a purification process. It's Quite profound and quite literal the purification process involves the bible it involves us adapting our lifestyle to his and him fulfilling those dreams that he sees in us that are most appropriate um good example is me i fought for years about following the father's steps and i talk about it lightly I thought I was called into the ministry at 12 years old. I was saved at five. A young child basically not understanding the whole process that God worked through. At 20, I pulled out of church because of certain issues. I didn't stay in very long. I went into the world and stayed in the world. Eventually, I quit reading my Bible, my word, and developing myself, and walked away. I turned my back because of certain things that happened. But that was only the beginning of his process with me. Every human goes through a process. We go through birth, death, birth, life, and death. But a safe person goes through a, a period of repentance. Then we go through a period of remembrance, learning from that experience. And then we go, or so I say separation. Then we go through a repentance stage. And then we go through a remembrance. It's, different for everybody but we go through a process and in the case of esther we're seeing here it's similar we have so many so so long of a period of one way and so long of a period of another is what she's stating here so let's go on and see what she talks about and it goes on to say we go through a process yahoo or god prepares us for our destinies and purpose The refining of our characteristics or character is very essential to Yahweh's plan for our lives. God cannot use a proud woman or man. Therefore, we must be humble. Being taken through a preparation process presses and purges out the impurities. So just what I was saying of the heart and spirit, such as pride, rebellion, selfishness, and bitterness, so that we can... Be pliable in the hands of the Lord to follow him, his lead, to fulfill our purposes. And we can affect, be an effective vessel with baggage weighing up. We can't be an effective vessel with, um, with weights on us that affect our abilities to obey the Father. So again, we see here she's talking about obedience in this matter. And Esther did the same thing. She moved through processes. These processes are important. They develop us. It develops her. Ultimately being favored by. uh, Exerxes. So the beautifying preparation. Esther's makeup. Makeover. Uh, We see in the the scriptures. That Esther's beautification process. Involved two steps. First. The first step was very specific in last six months involving only the oil of myrrh myrrh was a medicinal use to purge the body of impurities it was also used to take care of bacterial infections and stuff like that so the woman would be cleaned on the inside she would be cleaned on the outside this would be took internally it'd be took on the outside Now i know this I have had enough um, training, you might say, in certain aspects of natural holistic remedy. Myrrh and frankincense oil, sandalwood, these types of woody plants have an oil resin that produces an antibacterial property. So the young women were introduced to a kind of chemical cleansing in a way. Um, It would be took physically, within, orally, also placed on the outside of the body. The clothes would be disinfected with it. The body would be washed in it, and then there would be a massage treatment done on the body to treat the body in such a way that the body would be fully prepared to remove the impurities. A woman's body produces impurities through administration, uh, just daily wear and tear, sweat, Um, today we hide those body odors away from the general public because it's seen as being disgusting, but in that day, it was common for a young woman to have body odor, um, and these things was to remove those impurities of that off the skin, usually they would strudgel it off, or it would be done in a bath of salt water, or even fresh water. We don't really know. We just know she went through this treatment. Um, The six months, the second six months isn't so clear. Okay. It tells us that each girl had a beauty treatment with sweet spices and perfumes. And that the, the, and the things for purifying. So they don't really know exactly everything that went into it. We, They don't give a list per se of what they use for this purification. It does not give us a list of what these treatments or ingredients were. I believe Yahuwah let us see it's like this for that reason. I am going to break down both the process in the natural step by step. Okay. So we're going to go through a step of process then i am going to point you to the spiritual significance for all that esther went through so we're taking a spiritual context to this so i'm going to cut here we'll come back for the next 15 minutes of the top of the hour and we're going to talk about beauty treatments interesting we'll be right back All right, so we're back now, and we are going into the stages that Esther went through. So let's look at it. Six months with myrrh of oil. The word myrrh is referenced to a type or different plant. One of these was a small tree, bush, a bushy branch, and the sector of leaves bearing a plump like fruit that produces a fragrant gum. That has been used for centuries. The myrrh oozes out of the bark of the bush. It looks like a gum resin with natural flow from the plant without any outside help. Stimulates the flow. It oozes out of the branches in the shape of teardrops. Interesting. The color of the myrrh varies from pale red, yellow, to reddish brown or red. There are many natural healing properties, as well as, just like I was saying, uh, spiritual cognification to the oil. Starting with the healing properties, myrrh has a following. Reduces inflammation, boosts immunity, speeds recovery from illness, eliminates respiratory ailments, congestion, colds, and cough, improves arthritic condition, reduces stomach and gas aid, Yes, acid fights fungal infection, which I said. Also, athlete's foot and ringworm. Lessens mineral issues. There we go. Promotes oral hygiene. Cures ulcers, gingivitis, and bad breath. The word "myrrh" comes from the word Hebrew "mara," which means bitterness. This process of soaking in myrrh was a bitter process. Myrrh is a unique ointment because not only is it used to purge, it is also used to preserve and as an embalming fluid. Myrrh has been used in making of perfumes to preserve the fragrance. As a preservative, it keeps things from rotting. Without enduring the myrrh process in our lives, our fragrance would be put off a foul odor. One of those foul odors that women should allow the oil of myrrh to purge from their lives is bitterness. I'm not saying all women are bitter, but I do believe in a majority of the assignment of the enemy against women. In Hebrews 12.15 it states, Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from the failures of securing God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. It ordered that no root of resegment or recourse or bitterness or hatred shoot forth, causing trouble and bitter turmoil or torment. And that may become contaminated and defiled by it. And this was the amplified version. And it's pretty well structured in the same way that my Hebrew Bible is. It says, bitterness is unfulfilling revenge. Its fruit is unforgivingness and develops into resentment. Resentment always wants to retaliate. In this world, women have suffered cruelty, harshness, and brutality at the hands of thoughtless human beings. Our only hope is found in the cross. We must forgive and relieve every offender. The Lord's promise, the vengeance, vengeance is his, and he will repay. And that's in Romans twelve nineteen. Every woman has a choice to remain bitter or to let go and leave it to God, God, Yahuwah or God to handle. When the root of bitterness springs up, it is not only destroyed, destroys inner peace, But it can also cause physical illness. Bitterness defiles all those it touches, starting with the one who is bitter and extending out to other relationships. Furthermore, the one emitted, emitted embittered becomes enslaved to the person towards whom the bitterness is directed. Moshe gave us a prophetic picture of how we should respond to every bitter situation in our lives. The Israelites went three days without fresh water. When they finally found water, they could not drink the water of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was called Mar or Mara, In Exodus 15, 22 and 23, the Lord, however, showed Moses a tree to... And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Exodus 15, 25. The tree that was applied to the bitter bitter waters was a picture of the cross of Christ. When we apply the cross to our bitter experiences, it turns the bitterness to sweet. As Esther allowed the Persian attendants to transform and prepare her to meet with the king, we can imagine that their goal was to strip her of anything common or unpleasant-like. They wanted to purge her of her bitter past. I imagine that they would hope to infuse it in her the scent and aurora of royalty. You see, they gathered these girls from every part of the country. It doesn't say in the scriptures that they had to be from a royal or aristocratic background. I imagine that while these girls were physically beautiful, many of them were from common families and may not have known the ways of royal royal women. Therefore had <clears throat> they had been purified of their past see. Therefore they had to be purified from their past lives as common peasant girls and be infused with sense of their new world as royal residents in the king's palace. As we compare the health benefits and possible ways the ancient Persians used the oil of myrrh, we can see how the Holy Spirit purifies us and prepares us for royal service. As the Holy Spirit works in us, we will see the softening of our fallen nature, symbolic of soaking in myrrh. We will see that he will purge us of our past and put to death anything that does not line up with our royal destiny. In ancient times, myrrh was used to soften hard, dry, and cracked skin and restore it to suppleness. As you can see, the softening in the works of the Holy Spirit in us, the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit, is a beautiful treatment of our hearts. So, we can see here that the application myrrh has treats bitterness, but yet it's bitter itself, but at the same time, it softens our hearts. So, there you go. Stage two, six months with sweet spices, perfumes, and things of purification. So, we go back here. It says the ancient beauty process, referred to as the six months with per- perfume, has been ill eliminated by the archaeology archaeological finds of cosmetic burners from this period. Esther 2.12, during the Persian period and even among some Arabian tribes in this century, women would build a small charcoal fire in a pit, okay, in the floor. A fragrant oil such as that of sandalwood, cloves, myrrh, or rose would be placed in the cosmetic burner and heated, In a fire, the women would crouch naked over the burner with her robes dangling over her head and body to form a tent. As she perspired, her open pores absorbed the fragrance of oil. By the time the fire burnt out, her skin and clothes would be thoroughly perfumed. Aromatic oils and spices were Persia's major export. So we see here they're talking about the perfumes and the oils that were used in that time. And what they were used for. Again, we see the perfume was used to cover body odor and to make them sweat. It was a purification process. In the unsanitary and odor-laden ancient world, perfumes were highly prized. Perfumes making, which included the preparation of both cosmetics and medical ointments, is an ancient and noble profession. In Exodus thirty twenty five and 35, 1 Samuel 8, 3 and Nehemiah 3, 8. Perfume ingredients mentioned in the Bible include aloes, bilium, talcus, cassia, cinnamon, frankincense, myrrh, nard, ancha, and saffron perfumes came in the form of powder, liquid, incense, or oils. Sachets of dried spices were worn under clothes, and that's in Solomon 1:13. And liquid and ointments were contained in flasks and jars, and that's in Mark 14:3 and Luke 7:37. Perfumes were used in what? In ways to soften the skin and mask unpleasant odors, that's in Ruth 3:3. Psalms 45 8, Ezekiel 69, and Luke 738. <clears throat> they were also used as enticements for lovemaking. Mm. Esther 212 and Proverbs 7:17 7, as a symbol of honor and hospitality to be, to be poured over the face and feet of a banquet's guest. That's Luke 7:46. If you look again at Esther 212, you will notice that when describing the second six months of the young maiden's beauty regime, the the specific spices, oils, or herbs that were used to perfume them are not mentioned. I believe this is because each girl had a specific scent customized, especially for them. Each girl had a different body chemistry. Each girl had a different background. Each girl had a unique scent that was complementary and brought out by the perfume mixture residing by the Persian apothecaries. Even today, perfume is made up of a combination of many things, but the process of infusing scents into our natural body is not as intricate as it was in Esther's time. But I believe this process will represent the time-consuming, delicate, and unique work of the Holy Spirit does in us to cause us to extrude a scent that is pleasing to Yahuwah or God. Like many of the girls taken in the king's palace, your background is the base, which Yahuwah starts. Maybe you will be a wildflower. Maybe you will be carefully manicured and sheltered rose. Whatever your beginnings were, Yahuwah wants to make a hint hint of your scent. Pair it with oil of the Holy Spirit and fill the atmosphere where you are. Everyone has a unique fragrance in the earth. God is making women a fragrance. All of our lives' experiences, good, the bad, and the ugly, blend together in right proportions, produce your unique fragrance. Your life experiences... The word of God that you've studied and made a part of your life and the encounters you have with God and the obstacles you have overcome all make the fragrance. The perfume is equivalent to the life you have lived. God's nature is redemptive and everything you have experienced in this life will be turned around to his glory. So we see here that the second half of that is dealing with perfumery and We were talking about, here with the lady talking about the power of the perfume, that our experiences are overturned to work for the better of God. So, we will go back to looking at the prices of beauty. We will be doing the act of prayer. And we will see the fragrance of the godly woman in the next half. Um, which is going to be interesting. And I'm going to cut here and take about a five-minute break, and we'll be right back. All right, so we're back. So now we're talking about the fragrance of a godly woman. So in Proverbs 27, 9, we see, The ointment and perfume delights the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by the hearty counsel. So we see perfume of a man. Woman makes a man very wise of a godly woman. Women are made to manifest God in the feminine form. We have a uniqueness. God designed us to respond to situations as he does. The way you respond to a circumstance shapes you. Don't curse if, they're curse, if they curse you. Realize that it in the mud fight, both people get dirty. God wants us to stay in our feminine nature. Esther was in an out-of-control situation, but she responded to it with grace and wisdom. Remember, grace and wisdom, we must respond. The body of Christ will not be complete until the scent of true and godly femininity can be filled can fill the room. And that's in Proverbs 27, 9. Perfume and ointments are compared to a friend who gives godly insight and counsel. Counsel is to show a plan. It's to show a purpose. Counsel and wisdom from a woman's point of view is needed in the church. Wise counsel from the feminine nature is needed in the atmosphere. Women with women with wise counsel add value women are called to make those around them see themselves in a better light Perfume is all about influence you respond to a situation your response to a situation in the fragrance that fill is that fills the room interesting look at Esther's attitude and actions in her situation you have noticed that her response carried the fragrance of prudence, wisdom, and discernment. Perfume bottles come in many beautiful shapes and creative designs. This represents the outer appearance of a woman. But we all know that we can have a very beautiful bottle, but bad perfume within the bottle. Have you ever... Purchased a very expensive bottle of perfume and when you got it home, its fragrance didn't mix with their body's chemistry and it smelled horribly terrible. This is how roots of bitterness defile a woman's fragrance. Her attitude and response to situations emit foul odors caused by many to defile her odor. Suffering does not automatically make a person stronger or better. The way you respond to suffering determines whether you hurt. That hurt makes you bitter, better, or bitter. Remember that, better or bitter. The fragrance of love. God wants to eliminate anger, bitterness, hatred of men, and unforgiveness from women's hearts. The only way to become better and not bitter is to extend love and forgiveness. But if you fail to react with love and forgiveness, if you retain in your spirit the debt, that offenders owe you. The offense will rob your heart of its capacity to love. Bitterness can have far-reaching, long-lasting, and self-destructive effects. A bitter woman must first turn to God. and In Romans 5, 8-10, we see this. Once she has accepted her forgiveness, then she's not only able, but also commanded to forgive others. And that's in Matthew 6:15 one very practicing practical way to do that is to replace bitterness with love in 1 Corinthians 13 4 through 7 we see this and in Galatians 522 which I'm not going we'll to go in to elaborate on reading those because we've got general quotes here especially by showing love to the one who has wronged you the memory, of how you respond to uh, to life will become part of something other person's ingredients when it comes time for them to make their perfume. There are eyes always watching you, especially our young girls, to see the fragrance you leave behind. Priceless beauty. Let not your yours be the mere extravagant adornment with elaborate interweaving and knots of the hair the wearing of jewelry or changing of clothes but let it be the inward adornment and beauty that hides a person of the heart with an incorruptible and unfaded charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit which is not anxious or wrought up but is very precision precise and precious in the sight of god first peter 3 3-4 through and it's the amplified version We see that here. Peter directs us to be priceless, authentic kind of beauty that should be more desirable than the beautiful fashion magazines of our culture promises us. Your beauty should not come from only outward adornment and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner character and personality and the unfailing beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is the great worth of God's insight. Esther was a beautiful young woman. Her beauty was far more than just physical. Since since all of the ladies were attractive, it could not have been Esther's physical beauty alone that won the king's affections. Her real beauty was an unfading beauty that rose from within. Such beauty does not rely on superficial help is deeply rooted in faith and trust in God. No matter how many plastic surgeries you pay for, you cannot purchase this beauty, it's priceless. It's it's a beauty that is cultivated as our hearts respond in obedience to God's will for our lives. We believe we can gain insight to the nature of Esther's personality by looking at her Jewish and Persian names. Although the Bible names have great significance, names are connected with the nature and the characteristic of a person. Esther's Jewish name was Hadassah, which means myrtle. A myrtle is an aromatic tree which is actually used in making some types of perfumes. It is known both for its scent and for its beauty. Esther was more than just another pretty face. Her personality radiated the fragrance of humility and elegance. The aroma of her personality caused everyone to become intoxicated in her presence. Esther exhibited the winsomeness that caused her to gain favor with everyone she came in contact with. Esther, the Persian name given to Hadassah, means star. A star is a fixed luminous point in the night sky. The Lord was positioned and preparing Esther to be transformed into the nature of a star. She would become a beacon of hope in a dark time in her people's history. The characteristic for a star is to give light, guidance, and leadership. Another definition for the name Esther is conceal or hidden. Esther's demonstrated wisdom, prudence, and submission to authority by keeping her nationality as secret. A soft and peaceful spirit, forgiven, kind, wise, insightful, discerning, humble, elegant, loving, and graceful are the elements to come together to form this beautiful fragrance of a godly woman. Esther's personality, these attributes in her leadership and decision-making, Though her experiences, we find a guide how for how we can demonstrate the feminine side of God's character. Through Esther's story, we are given a template of how women can engage the kingdom, sometimes dominated by men. The elements of the feminine spirit are complementary and significant to the expansion of God's kingdom. Because of the sweet fragrance that Esther emitted, she was not only accepted by the king, but also she was favored by him and made his wife. Her influence was far-reaching across the Jewish and Persian culture for years to come. Because Esther allowed the oil of the Holy Spirit to beautify and purify her, her legacy was chronicled in both Persia and the Jewish history. According to one commentary, it had not been the for the Esther's influence. Nehemiah may not have been able to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And the king said unto me, The queen also smitten by him, For how long shall this journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleases the king to send me, and I sent him a time. Nehemiah 2.6 And the queen also sit by him, as the Persian monarch did not admit their wives to be permitted at their state festivals. This was, this must have been a private occasion. The queen referred to was probably Esther, whose presence would tend greatly to embolden Nehemiah in stating his request. And through her influence, power, and exceedingly it may be possible supposed also by her sympathy with the patriotic design he petitioned was granted to go as duty governor of judea accompanied by the military guard and invest with full power of obtaining materials for rebuilding in jerusalem as well as the great all requestees aid in promoting his enterprise Like Esther, we too can have a far-reaching influence and a legacy that spans cultures and generations. We must submit to the beautification and purification process of the Holy Spirit. We must be purged out of us the things that will hinder us from being the women God or Yahuwah has called us to be and influence into us the fragrance and the character of Yahuwah or God. As we begin to authentically display the tributes of the godly woman we will find favor for our assignment we will find the scepter being extended to us throughout, without limit to every place our feet should tread so there we go and that's chapter 3 and um, well, we'll go over this prayer this, the fourth half And then I will do Chapter 4, and we will go through Chapter 4 and Chapter 5, which is going to be interesting because I'm just going to highlight them. Uh, They're quite long. We're just going to hit TADS on them. And then Chapter 5, we go into Fasting. And then I'm going to cover a whole section of Fasting. Which is going to be quite interesting when we cover it. But chapter 4 is also quite interesting. So, let's read this prayer. The prayer of activating the beautification process of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word says that we will make everything everything beautiful in its time. I submit my life and destiny to your making and time. I surrender all ambitions and strive to you. I ask. That you will give me grace to endure the purification process. I realize that the grace is not given to the swift or strong, but to those who endure to the end. I choose to submit to the inner dealings of the Holy Spirit. Remove everything from my heart that I will hinder my de- that will hinder my destiny, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Cleanse me of all pride, arrogance, and fear. Let love and kindness flow through my heart. The the world has many definitions of beauty, but Lord, I want the radiant, authentic beauty of the kingdom. Favor can be deceitful and beauty vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. I am a woman who fears the Lord, and I will develop traits of kindness and humility. Lord, remove all mixtures of negative life experiences from my behavior and values. I choose to be better and not bitter. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost purge away bitterness, anger, frustration, and disappointment, or the Ruach. I submit to the anointing of myrrh. Let the oil of myrrh cleanse every wrinkle and blemish in my character. I am a sweet smelling fragrance and a preservative in in the rotten and decayed world around me. I will release a fragrance of joy, love, and hope to a dying world. Thank you, Yahuwah, for being faithful to completing this work in me. In Yeshua's name, Amen. So there we go. And I hope those that are listening say that prayer many times or just repeat this. So, I'm going to call this here before we start chapter 5. And I'm just going to highlight on chapter 5 what it is, or chapter 4, what it is. And then we'll do a whole session, starting with the highlights of chapter 5. And then we are going to go into the different types of prayer and fasting. I will cover those in the book. And then we only got a few more chapters to go. And we will have Esther completed. So I'm going to call it here. Uh, and then we will go over those chapters uh, four. Um, just a light highlight. And then I'll do a light highlight on chapter five. And then next week we cover fasting for three days, um, which is going to be interesting because typically you don't hear it talked about. So I'll be back in about five minutes. right everybody so we're going to touch on awakening to destiny and this is a quote from albert einstein it says the highest destiny of an individual is to serve rather than to rule so we're going into chapter four i'm not going to go to the book of esther and read this because i want to get through it very quickly because i've got some other things we need to add in um Basically, this is talking about where Mordecai come into Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He had asked a question, and this was from Esther four thirteen and 14. So in this time, Haman had made a declaration to kill the Jews through the king. And he was plotting a scheme start with Mordecai, her cousin, which was also a father figure to her. Um, and he learned of this plot, and he went to Esther to save his life. In so doing, he revealed that she couldn't hide forever behind the four walls, basically. And she had to reveal her truth to her husband while she was, which was either death or life threatening before the king. She had to come out of obscurity, you might say, on behalf of her people. And it goes on in the description she's a young girl and an orphan, went through the beauty treatments. Then um, proceeded the shelter, and Mordecai confronted her. We talked about that, and she had hid her Jewish identity for a while, according to this. But in the end, she ended up revealing it um, because of this particular guy that was working for the king at the time. Um, It was a rocky boat. Um, She was scared frightened, didn't know what to do. She was forced into a survival situation elevated by the teachings and training and treatment of her favor of her king. Um, it goes on to say if she perished, she perished that she'd go into annihilation but they wanted her to pray. They, they did a three-day fast in this time period. 416, it reveals a crossroads you must face according to this. In history, Esther won, but she ended up facing death going before the king without him summoning her. In the end, it got his respect. Um, it goes on to say You continually hear the voice of God in areas of weak awakening. You have a divine sense of urgency and compassion for the situation. You have a limitation, that is, you have feelings or emotions, longings, or pains that could or should be. The limitations will make you put yourself in danger to resolve that issue. You have the burden of the Lord, which is which is when the heavy weight comes upon you in the spirit to carry through the earth until the task is complete. You have a priority to change lives, perceive, give hope, and fulfill the God's purpose. This is the awakening they call you. The this is when you come to Flourishing in the awakening of the anointing of the Esther lament, you pursue justice on behalf of others, basically, as Queen Esther did. And in this time, you come to know yourself, and you come. You're here for such a time as this, is what it means, basically. Um. Many women feel comfortable sitting in the pews and not rising up. They try to stand back. And there's some that don't, according to what she's saying here. And she goes on talking about the place of deliverance, the place of breakthrough, the conspiracy of the silent. Breaking the conspiracy of the silent means breaking those that want to silence you. And that's in Esther 4, 12 through 16. It talks about her leadership and and grasping that leadership, basically. At the right time, of course, um, which God reveals that to each woman or man in their timing and, and validating it through somebody. It says, um, Here's the declaration. It says, I will awaken from sleep and slumber. I will awaken from the com- complacency and indifference. I am an active member of the army of the Lord. I will engage the culture with my prayers and actions. I will lose, lose confusion in every plan and demonic conspiracy to keep me silent. I will rise up and let my voice be heard. I will preach your word. I will encourage the next generation to go to of godly women. Let every dormant gift, talent and anointing be awakened inside of me. Let every God-given idea to be awakened, active, cultivated and implemented for the kingdom's advancement. I will answer the call of God. I will not cower back in fear. I will Lose myself for insecurities and fears of failures. I will break every religious spirit that has pushed me to the breaking point. I will shake myself free from the the empathy of the lack of concern. I will redeem the time in my life. I will not allow a lazy, sloth spirit to control my life. I I will walk circumspectly, not as a foolish, silly, ungibled woman. I am wise, and know the will of the Lord in my life. The Lord will redeem all lost time and restore every wasted year. I will capitalize on every appropriate opportunity, fulfilling my destiny. I am a woman filled with the Holy Spirit. My heart is experiencing a great awakening to my purpose and destiny. I will seek and find the Lord, the God who called me. I will vision I will have vision and insight into the heart and mind of God. There is a new level of urgency and passion for purpose arising in my heart. I am significant. I lose myself from the hopelessness and despondency. The Lord validates me, and he has called me and anointed me for such a time as this. I will use my life and resources to accomplish great things for the Lord. And then here's a prayer. Out of Deuteronomy 30, 19, Lord, your word says in Deuteronomy 39, 19, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Lord, I choose life. I choose blessing. I ask that you would give me the ability to make sound decisions. Let wisdom and discernment rest upon me. I choose to follow your plans and purpose for my life. I choose to set out my comfort zone and obey, step out of my comfort zone and obey your will for my life. I will not be a victim of circumstance. I choose to forgive every man that has withheld promotions from me, because I am a woman. I will not let a spirit of hatred of men influence my heart. I will not revenge, anger, or retaliate, or condemnate my spirit, or contaminate. That's what she's saying. I will make a godly choice motivated by love. I will walk in righteousness. I will choose to be a woman of holiness. I choose to break out of the status quo. I choose to be a blessing. To the next generation, I will leave a legacy of goodness and mercy on the earth. I draw a line in the spirit and choose life that my blood will be blessed because my righteous choices, my descendants will inherit the earth. In Jesus name, I pray and amen. And so there is the overview of chapter four. And I'm going to cut here and we will go to chapter five. And then we are going into our next stage for the men which is Hearing and Seeing from Jesus. Uh, Precisely, what did I do with that book? Yes, Face-to-Face Appearances by Dr. E. Taylor of Jesus, and we will be back momentarily.